close your eyes and try to remember the spiciest thing you've ever eaten. What did it feel like? Did your nose start to tingle and run? Did your ears start to get hot on the tops? Did your eyeballs sweat and you wanted to scream in pain? But maybe it also was kind of nice, too. I know the feeling. I am a spice lover myself. But whatever spice you and I have experienced, I'm sure it does not compare to what a customer of Jimmy Lytle's Pepper Shop went through. This guy going in there, and he got a jalapeno and put it in his mouth and started chewing on it, and his old face got red and his eyes got big. They took off, and a couple days later, he'd come back and he said, you know what? You give me a heart attack, they'll take me to the hospital. Don't worry, the story ends surprisingly well. The guy hadn't come back to complain. We got a little more, and he said, I want five pounds of it. (laughs) He said, that's the hottest thing I ever ate in my life. That's right. He wanted more. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. This Small Town Big Story episode is produced in partnership with Go USA TV, and today we are headed just a couple hours south of Albuquerque to Hatch, New Mexico. It's a town where the heat does not just come from the sun. It comes from the signature crop, Hatch, New Mexico chilies. Go pour yourself a glass of milk, because we are cooking in Hatch right after this. For your next vacation spot, check out Texas for their vast landscape of culture, regions, destinations, and activities. Explore 350 miles of coastline and every kind of hiking trail, from strenuous to wheelchair accessible. Enjoy world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Travel Texas even offers an online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I love the book, The Power Broker, the epic biography of former New York City planner Robert Moses. So I'm breaking it down 100 pages at a time and talking to special guests about why this book matters, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I actually think if it wasn't for Robert Moses, I probably wouldn't have run for Congress. Listen to 99% Invisible's breakdown of The Power Broker every month on the 99% Invisible podcast feed. For the 1,718 people who call Hatch home, life is defined by peppers. The small downtown area is filled with shops that have names like Pepper Pot and Chili Fanatic. And the smell of peppers roasting over roadside charcoal grills, it wafts through the air. And I should say, if you get too close, it also wafts into your eyes and your throat and you're coughing and you're crying and you're trying to explain that you're new to town. And listen, these peppers, at least some of them, they get hot. But if you talk to anyone who is a real fan of Hatch Chilies, they'll tell you that it's not all about the heat. It's really about the flavor. When you eat them raw, they're kind of sharp and grassy. But when you roast them, ooh, it brings out this depth, this warmth and richness. That is the Hatch Chili flavor. 
Every Labor Day, spice enthusiasts from all over the world gather in Hatch to celebrate the flavor and fire of these peppers at the Hatch Chili Festival. And last year, I joined them to learn why these chilies are so special and what it takes to beat the heat in the chili capital of the world. But before I took down any chilies at the festival, or before they took me down, I wanted to get to know Hatch on its own terms. So before the festival, I spent about a week there, getting to know the town, the people, and the peppers on an average day. And for a lot of people in Hatch, an average day means getting up before the sun and venturing out into the dewy fields with burlap pepper sacks and getting to work. So this should get a little fuller before I yeah, tie it off. Yeah, okay. a, lot, right. a lot fuller. A lot fuller. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sergio Grajeda Jr. is a third-generation pepper farmer. And in between helping his family run the Hatch Chili Market in downtown and doing the other 10 million things he does, he took me out to the field to pick these iconic peppers. These peppers were massive. They were as long as my forearm. We start around March 5th, flip the dirt, get the soil ready, fertilize it, plant the seed, and this is what you get. Hatch chilies, they're only available fresh for about four to six weeks, in late summer, and just in time for the festival. This is like harvest season. Yeah, the, it's really actually. The pepper plants at their peak were really gorgeous. There's rows and rows of these dark green plants that are taller than my waist with green and red peppers dangling from the stalks. I, I kept sneaking peppers to snack on as I worked. And even Sergio, who works with these peppers day in and day out, says he can't get enough of them. Well, you put it on every dish. A dish without chili is probably not, a, not food at all. So I had to find out. Why do people from all around the world travel to this small town of Hatch, New Mexico, just to try these chilies? What makes the peppers here so good? To the, to the point where Sergio doesn't even consider food, food without them. I'm always asked, why do New Mexico chili peppers taste so good? Why is the quality so high? Stephanie Walker is a vegetable specialist at the New Mexico State University Extension Service. And Stephanie told me exactly why chilies from the Hatch Valley region are so special. Here in this part of New Mexico, we're a high desert. We have very, very intense sunlight. That southern New Mexico sun means it gets really, really hot there. And out in that high desert, the soil actually doesn't have a ton of nutrients. And while that might sound bad, for making good peppers, it's perfect. All of this really contributes to stressing out the plants. Well, chili peppers take this stress and turn this into the phytochemicals that increase their pungency, increase their flavor, and really make for an excellent, excellent quality in our New Mexico chilies. Back in May, we did an episode on this podcast about the Chili Pepper Institute in Las Cruces, New Mexico. If you heard that one, you heard all about the history of chili cultivation in this part of the country. Stephanie says historians are still not sure about how it all got started, whether it was Spanish explorers or native tribes that first grew them. But one thing is certain. The unique environment means that hatch chilies grow better in this area of New Mexico than anywhere else. And people and peppers have a long history in this region. The first written records were in the late 1400s. Wow. So after that, chili seed was spread throughout New Mexico. Yeah. And communities just started growing their own. These peppers were revered in New Mexico, 
but it took a while for it to become an established industry. In the middle of the last century, there was just not much of a market for New Mexico's hot peppers outside of the state. And that is where the festival comes in. The festival started in 1972. Claiborne Wayne, what he wanted to do was teach America about chili and increase the economic development in Hatch for the Hatch farmers. Lisa Neal organizes the annual festival. It has grown so much since the farm store owner Claiborne Wayne worked with other Hatch residents to first organize the festival in 1972. As the word spread about the festival, interest in the chilies grew, and in time, more farmers were drying their peppers, making powders, selling them to cooks and vendors out of state. All of it built a national reputation for New Mexico chilies. And these days, the Hatch Chili Festival is just massive. You're bringing 30 to 50,000 people in a town that is the size of 1,600 people. And all of those visitors make for just a crazy time at the local businesses, including at maybe the most famous burger joint in New Mexico, Sparky's. It's famous for its green chili cheeseburger and for the guy who owns it, Tico Nunn. It's Sparky's. Just ordinary times, not Hatch Chili Festival times. We go through at least 100 pounds of green chili a day. It's what makes the burger the burger. During the festival, Tico says that he can easily go through twice that much. They put chilies on absolutely everything. It's chili in the drinks, it's chilies in the shakes. And at the festival, the line can stretch around the block. But when I talked to Tico, he also told me that in Hatch... Even though a lot of the people are in the same industry, chili is the town business, they do not really consider themselves or act like competitors. Like in 2006, when the town and Tico's restaurant got hit with really bad flooding. And a group came in off the street headed by one lady that I knew, Lupe Castillo, followed by six people who I did not know. And they came in and they cut and rolled and got the carpet out. They were followed by somebody that had a big thing of burritos. <laughs> I, and that's Hatch. People? Yeah, yeah. That's Hatch. And that is the thing about coming to Hatch as a visitor. It is a bear hug of food, culture, people, landscape. You see the New Mexico desert and in it this beautiful little town filled with people creating incredible food growing it right there in the fields. As a visitor, it was just a step into a magical little agricultural community. And after my handful of days in Hatch, the main event was about to heat up. What happens at the festival? Like, what's going to be going on here? Well, it starts 9 o'clock. It's a parade. There's fire engines and police cars and tractors. The town's already, like, full. And, and then it, at 10 o'clock, it's just, it's just full-on party. After some really wonderful days getting to know the people of Hatch, the festival was on. Tens of thousands of people filled the street, but it still had this wonderful, homegrown, tractor-rolling-down-main-street vibe. The parade had lowrider cars and people in pepper costumes. There's a recipe contest, a chili hat competition, as in make yourself a chili-themed hat. And then the part that I had been waiting for, the chili eating competition. One per minute. So you have a minute to eat a chili. 
and then you got a little pause, and then they'll bring you another chili, and you got to eat that one in a minute, and you got to keep you got to keep going, right? Just like, like milk is for after. Milk is for after. That's what I thought. All right. So here's how it goes: you sit at a long table with a very, very tempting glass of milk set right in front of you. If you give in and drink the milk at any point, you are done. You are out of the competition. But if you are the last person standing, the person who can eat as many peppers in as many minutes, you have one minute per pepper. You got a minute to eat a pepper, and then it's another pepper, and then it's another pepper, and it's another pepper. It's like that. If you're the last person standing, and you have not had your milk, you win. I felt pretty good about my odds. Well, I felt medium about my odds, but I was there. And I took my seat at the long table with the dozen or so other competitors. They were young and old. They were veteran contestants and newbies like me. We were all there to see if we could beat the Heat. Pepper one, I got this. It's got a good heat. Some people are already starting to sweat, and a couple actually tap out. They taste the first pepper and say, whoa, this is too hot for me. I'm feeling pretty calm and collected, although also totally unprepared when I learned that a minute had already passed and it was time for pepper two. Nine of these feels like a whole different game. A woman across from me is chugging her milk. She is out. She's done. The burly-looking cowboy across from me, out, done, calls it. Can't do it. Y'all are crazy. Yeah. Oh, that milk is so tempting. God, why, why do they put it in front of you? I am starting to really sweat. And people are tapping out right and left. Okay. Keep going. Pepper four, pepper five. This is getting incredibly hard, and people are dropping like flies, including the young girl next to me, who so far had been killing it. Oh, no! Okay, uh, there's five left. Pepper six. At this point, the table's almost empty. There's just four of us left. Could I do it? Could I do seven peppers? Could I do eight? Could I do nine? Could I do ten? All right. Nope. I could not do it. <laughs> it was way too much. It was too much heat. It was too fast. Two peppers. Too furious. Couldn't do it. I hit six and I was out. I couldn't. I could barely get it down. I'm like shaking. <laughs> I drank the glass of milk so fast. And then I drank the jug of milk they handed me after. But there were still three people battling it out. Good luck, sir. Good luck. Good luck. Pepper seven. Pepper eight. These guys are still going. They are going for it. Here comes pepper nine. You're out. Good job. And only two competitors remaining. No, 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 Yeah! It's a tie. Woo! 
My mouth was still on fire. My stomach was like a merry-go-round. But these two guys, they made it all the way to 10. And they both declared each other a winner. <laughs> when I talked to them a few minutes later, they did not even seem phased. Congratulations. Thank you. you guys each, how many peppers did you each do? Nine. No, 10. 10. 10. 10. We did 10. We did 10. And then you guys like spicy things? No, I hate You do? Yeah. Is that true? We entered last year because I thought it was a chili, like potted chili. I didn't know the pepper kind. <laughs> I just stuck with it. Everyone who entered this contest was honestly, truly brave, possibly slightly deranged. I know I was. <laughs> but, I, you know, it was all about the love of Hatch and that sense of joining the camaraderie and community that is so central to everyone's life there. And however you enjoy your chilies, whether you're roasting them and putting them on a burger or shoving them into your face every minute until you want to drink a jug of milk and maybe die, it is all welcome in Hatch, New Mexico. And, you know, everyone kept talking about how the chilies have flavor. But the flavor's not just in the peppers. It's in the fields, it's in the farms, it is in all these generations of families in Hatch, New Mexico. There is just no better place to get the flavor of New Mexico than Hatch, this quiet little farm town that packs a punch. And Lisa Neal, the festival's organizer, she's ready to welcome anyone who wants to come. She welcomed me, she will welcome you, she welcomes anyone who wants to come and get a taste. I think what keeps people coming back is the people here. We just love people. And we like to talk to you and share our experiences and our stories. We are all family. Anytime I tell anyone I'm from Hatch, they're like, oh, Hatch, can you get me Hatch chili? And I was like, of course I can, because we have the best chili in the world. If you're interested in visiting Hatch, and I've got to say, you absolutely should be. It is a truly distinct place. Head on over to NewMexico.org for more information. We'll include a link about visiting Hatch in the show notes as well. If you want to see me try my best to win the Chili Eating Festival and, and fail miserably, you can watch the full video from our award-winning series, Small Town Big Story. You will find it on our website, and we will put a link in the show notes for this episode. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. This episode was produced by Katie Thornton. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Dylan Therese, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire, Gabby Gladney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There's a link in our episode description. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Hi, I'm Willa Paskin, the host of Decoder Ring, Slate's podcast about cracking cultural mysteries. On Decoder Ring, we dive down rabbit holes and obsessively explore questions hiding in plain sight. Like, why has slow dancing gone out of style? And when did we all become obsessed with hydration? And where did the word mullet, you know, to describe a hairstyle, come from? That's Decoder Ring, named one of the best podcasts of 2023 by The New York Times. 
Listen to new episodes every two weeks and make sure to follow us so you never miss one. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex. Of bugs. (laughs) Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts.